First and foremost, thank you for downloading this episode of the Blokebusters podcast. And a little explanation here, this is our joint podcast that we do every year with the Back to the Podcast boys. And this year it's their turn to host. So when it starts up and you hear them saying, welcome to Back to the Podcast, don't worry, you are listening to the right feed. And we just decided to give them a go this time. So please sit back and enjoy the Blokebusters podcast, unofficial, official, non-Academy Awards awards show for 2016. The Blokebusters podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us, as well as other fantastic podcasts, such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Blokebusters podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth unofficial, official, not Academy Awards, awards podcast for 2016. We, as always, are on the UK side. This is the voice of Bear, and I'm joined by Byron. Say hello, Byron. Hello, everybody. And as always, we're joined by our good friends, Blokebusters Podcast, over in the States. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and we are um, going to tear into some of the highs and lows of 2016s with our usual categories. Um, anything anyone would like to say before we get going? I'm, I'd just I'm, like to say I'm we excited. are here to present these uh, Oscar awards in our own style. If you're joining us for the first time listening to these podcasts, we don't necessarily follow the format of of big Hollywood, we do things our own way, and I tell you something, you know, uh, when we present, when we pull the name out of the bag, then by God, I'm telling you, in that envelope, it's going to be the right bloody name this year. <laughs> <laughs> we do not use Price Waterhouse Cooper uh, accounting, so yes, nope. we need to be on top of things. Oh, sir. <laughs> well, shall we move swiftly on to our first category? Is there anything anyone would like to say as a, you know, an introduction to our uh, our categories? Uh, well, I, I'd like to think that most categories are fairly straightforward, but there is a new one this year, so be on the lookout. But for yes, that. and we'll try to yes explain any uh, categories that might might yes, require a, such any, an explanation. Yes, any that need an explanation. Yes, yes. it's not going to be <laughs> like and best male actor, which, as you know, is a male personage. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into any sort of transgendered issues here. With yes, uh, yes. Um, these are antiquated <laughs> categories. We'll say that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, they are. However, we would award to whoever, whatever gender. Uh, it is that they align themselves to, not necessarily. Correct. <laughs> Unless okay. the movie was made before. Have you considered that? Uh, this is well, no, I, I still feel that it would be whatever they align themselves with at the time of the award this nomination. Is, and This is going all wrong right, up, yeah. right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> I did say we didn't conform to everything else, so... Well, I'm going to swiftly take it on to uh, the first category because I'm I'm doing this one, guys. So um, this is the male actor, best male actor of 2016. The nominations are Tom Hanks for Sully, Miracle on the Hudson, Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson, sorry, uh, in The Jewel, Taron Egerton in Eddie the Eagle, John Goodman, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Mahershala Ali. Am I saying that right, guys? Uh, in Moonlight. Uh, and Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool and the winner is for best male actor of 2016 is John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane (laughs) we accept this award on his behalf (laughs) (laughs) I believe he was receiving a uh, star on the uh, Walk of Fame yesterday so he's a little busy what do you think of this role guys? Yeah, well, this this film um, was a, a, a wonderful surprise at the start of 2016, wasn't it? Yes. It was, indeed, yeah. yeah. It came out of nowhere. But I always say that sometimes, you know, in movies, they have sometimes trouble finding a really good bad guy. And that's what grabbed me so well with this job. You know, that's the one that got me. It's just, um, I said, remember saying to you when I watched this film, like, it, it was just so nice to see John Goodman back, back on the screens and doing such a great role. And I would quite happily see a lot more of him in, in a lot more films. Um, we've, we've seen such a, you know, such a mountain of characters from this guy, and, and, and this was just this was just no different. It was a wonder, wonderful role from him, and a wonderful film, which I'm sure oh, we'll talk about later. Absolutely, yeah. I could watch that jukebox scene over and over. <laughs> like yeah, it is just delightful and weird and frightening all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely one of the best little slow burn 
type thing mm-hmm. as well. Like no pun intended, actually. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rather quick burn on some of the yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. It was it was just a fantastic like the the best B movie that like I I can recall seeing in recent memory. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it you know it's not a meant to be this grand scoping uh, huge film but it is you know like I said for a B movie it is so well done Um, and relatively under the radar as well when it came out not a lot of people knew about it and it was like Mm -hmm. I tried to get the word out yeah best I could for this thing Um, yeah I championed it for about three months or so trying to get people out to see this Yeah. yeah Yeah, no, fantastic. So there, John Goodman, well done. That's brilliant work. Excellent work. <laughs> Moving on to the next category. Brian, over to you. All right, so this is uh, Best Performance by a Female Actor. Uh, we have Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Michelle in 10 Cloverfield Lane, Arrival. Uh, I'm sorry, Amy Adams uh, playing Professor Louise Banks in Arrival. Felicity Jones as Jin Erso in Rogue One. Uh, Meryl Streep. For Florence Foster Jenkins, Amelia Clark for Me Before You, Emma Stone in La La Land, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Marina Bacarin. Did I get it, Paul? You did. All right. Playing Vanessa in Deadpool, (laughs) and Margot Robbie for some reason playing Harley Quinn (laughs) in Suicide Squad. It kind of just slipped in there that Uh, one, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Maybe like one a little later on. Yeah. The winner is. Mary Elizabeth Winstead for playing Michelle in 10 Cloverfield Lane. It is a sweep for female and male actors. Yes. <laughs> At this point, anyone listening, they need to go out and get this uh, get this movie. Got to go get it, if, guys. If we haven't tried to make that subtly clear. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, this was one of those films as well that I think some people didn't realize that it was connected to the Cloverfield film from however long ago that was well. mm-hmm. my, my in-laws people I, need help I was talking to them about <laughs> it they saw it and they were like at the end <laughs> yes. saying, and then the twist and my initial response to that was that there was supposed to be a twist but does, <laughs> did no one know <laughs> but, uh, I guess not so yeah it was uh, uh, very well played by Miss Winstead there. I'd like to also add that this is the first year where we, where we were um, spoilt for choice with our uh, nominees for a, a female actress because we've, we've, we've struggled in previous years and um, you know as you were reading off the list I was like wow there, there really is there really is quite a few here you know uh, there's what 117 nominations or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, uh, in fact I believe it's the most nomination for any of the categories this year so yeah very uh, nice to see close yeah I think um, you might have it yeah we'll see but yeah, yeah I, I got nothing to add Let's <laughs> yeah yeah and it, this one I, I believe this was kind of close between Cloverfield Lane and Arrival yeah yeah. but uh, we, we all ended up coming to the consensus that the character of Michelle was just a little bit better portrayed the, so there was more of a range of emotions that she played with than what Amy Adams did in Arrival yeah, yeah. exactly we will now move on to the next category which is titled Best Young Actor and the nominations are Angori Rice playing Holly March in The Nice Guys, Oakes Fegley playing Pete in Pete's Dragon, Neil Sethi playing Mowgli in The Jungle Book, and Alex Hibbert playing Little in Moonlight. And the winner of Best Young Actor is Angori Rice playing Holly March in The Nice Guys. Didn't get a rump out of you, Paul. Okay, yeah. In case you couldn't tell, we were just watching Lady Gaga before we hit record. But to be fair, we could have done that and not just. We could, yes, yes, yeah. All right. Yes. So, I unfortunately for me, this was the category where I had not seen any of the films nominated. So I'm just going to say, well done, that that girl. Very well done. Good on you. Yeah, very well deserved. I'm sure. <laughs> Why don't Byron you uh, talk a little bit about the uh, because I don't think I've seen this film. Uh, Paul hasn't seen this film, so uh, oh so, god. So let's 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 hear why this this person won the uh, won the won the award. Okay, 
All right, Brian, are you still listening? Are you still with me on this thing? I, sorry, no, you're. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> you're on your own, man. Sorry, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whiskey's hitting him a little hard. I'll go ahead. Are you kidding? I just had two sips. <laughs> oh, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> two sips. Um, so anyway, well, first of all, I think with the nice guys, it it came up on the radar just because it was just a it's just a great nice little film put together, really funny, had kind of a, a, a moments of dry wit about it. So it. For me, it's one of those movies, when I think back to my list of movies for the year, it really stayed in my mind. And the second thing I was looking for was, you know, a young actor that would also would flag that up as well, that stays with you long after the movie has happened. And that's what I was looking for here. Um, and that's what I got. And, you know, um, Holly March is this kind of sassy teenager. And here she is in a movie, okay, Angoria Rice, right between two pretty big hitters, you know, you're right next to Russell mm-hmm. Crowe and you're delivering lines, I mean, that's pretty serious stuff, I mean, you know, this, this guy's a, you know, a pretty major Hollywood actor, so you've got to try to hold your own in this balance, and that's why, for me, that she really stood out, and the character was great as well, the character was a good character. You know, uh, Brian, did you want to put anything in here? You uh, pretty much nailed what I was going to say is that whole, like, I just loved the smart-ass nature and the take-no-shit kind of, um, you know, attitude of that character and how well she played that. And then, like you said, just holding her own with two uh, Hollywood heavyweights. And just thank God this wasn't a musical, that we didn't have Gosling and Crow singing in this. So (laughs) at least there was that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if you're there between... Russell Crowe and, and Brian Gosling. I mean, it's, you've got to be able to hold your own, and I think she did a great job. And I'm just looking forward to movies that are coming in the future. You know, with this actress in. So, yeah, fantastic. Like yeah. a job well done. I think Absolutely. we're ready now to move on to our next category. Yes, and this one would be me. It is the best use of special effects, and it, this is the thing. There is one coming up where it's minimal use, and we will explain the difference between that when we hit minimal use. But this is definitely best use of special effects. And the nominees for this one are Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, X Men Apocalypse for one scene in particular, <laughs> Assassin's Creed, <laughs> Arrival, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, and Rogue One. And the winner is, if I can get it out of the envelope, there we go, Captain America Civil War. (laughs) Well done, Captain America. Yes, this was a fairly unanimous one, wasn't it, guys? I mean, um, this this, yeah. this this film was great fun, and, and we 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 all just yeah thought this was great. And, and and as you said at the beginning, you know, this film relies heavily on on the need for special effects as opposed to a film that's sort of more dialogue heavy. And uh, we we I think this just this just really did it very well and was was good fun at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, I never felt like it was particularly laboured. Um, really nice balance of of, of action. Interestingly. In the future, I think this is one of the one of the categories that's going to give us the biggest possible problems because now that they can pretty much do anything yeah. with anyone in, in any way in terms of the, the the use of the special effects, this is going to become much more competitive uh, to impress us for the best <laughs> use of special effects. So we'll but, see, uh, you know, how this works out in the future, huh? And especially in ten years' time, when half the films released will be Marvel. I mean, it's going to be. Well, we'll have you know if, if you know. We'll stop doing this then. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know. <laughs> if we don't get that medication going, um, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this one blew me out of the gate. Like, uh, I just love talking about this movie. Um, because, you know, Marvel, we have our expectations set to a certain level. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to still be surprised and blown away, blown away by them is, is quite an achievement. Yeah. And it not to uh, spoil or foreshadow anything it handled an issue that perhaps another film did not handle so well <laughs> yes <laughs> um, as far as the plot you know was true yeah. yes and a fantastic introduction of spider-man as well and yes into, uh, into yes the, the first introduction that, that i will mm-hmm. go on record brian is saying that i enjoyed uh, spider-man on s- right. screen yes. yes yeah done in a very tasteful way yeah i think yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, t- again, uh, we definitely covered it in our coverage of Captain America, but the fact that they did just have Robert Downey Jr. just say, I'm not interested in your backstory, I'm just here for this. 
like, yeah. yes, finally. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Are you I think watching we another it. studio? Are you yeah. watching yeah. what they're doing? <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it did. It just nicely put down the playbook of how to do that, and uh, you know, well, well done, well done to them for doing it and just setting it up just beautifully, and well done for the win on best use of special effects. But now it is time to uh, look at the next category. So, so it's me for this one. So this is the minimal or uh, uh, no use of special effects, or mainly minimal use of special effects. This is where the special effects aren't as uh, pivotal to the plot, so it's more dialogue-heavy films, dramas, um, or if there are special effects, it's done in such a tasteful way um, and a very uh, minor way to the point where it's not, you know, all that you can see. Um, so I'm going to announce the nominations for this one. So minimal use of special effects. Here we go. Uh, Me before you. Florence Foster Jenkins, The Nice Guys, Anthropoid, Hail Caesar, and Hidden Figures. Now, for the first time ever, we have a joint winner with this one. Uh, I might just add neither of them are the ones I wanted to win, but whatever. Um, and so the winners are The Nice Guys and Hail Caesar. A little clap from me. Yeah. A clap from yeah. everyone else. Um, and someone else can talk about why these films won this one because I haven't seen either, and um, you know I wanted I wanted the other films to win. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, why don't you uh, talk on Hail Caesar? Why? Well, yes, uh, Hail Caesar. For those of you that are film fans, you need to see Hail Caesar. I, it so perfectly captures that era of filmmaking. It was during the studio system and what they did with most of their scenes is they filmed it in a way that a film from that period would use it there's a scene with a submarine where it's very clearly done in a giant water tank like a la titanic if we're going to go with more modern references and uh, it's a lot of the scene where they even do someone driving and it's very clearly a car being perfectly stationary with a backdrop being uh, projected onto type thing and it's just it, all of the special effects are very like very minimal because I, there's no real CG or anything in it at all and it is just all background everything your focus is on the actor and the plot so it's just <laughs> so well done <laughs> See, I, yeah um, this what I yeah, Paul and I really haven't talked about this until now. I was not a fan of this movie, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. usually Paul and I are simpatico on most of the, yeah. you know, a lot of these things. But I did like what they were trying to do. It did not work for me. I, I thought it was a little too self-indulgent throughout. I can, I can and there were a couple scenes that were very, very funny. The trying to get the line correct, yes, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> and I really appreciated the sailor dance routine for all the work he put into mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely great. There were moments I loved, but um, yeah, for me, I, I, I got out of the theater and I texted Paul, fail, Caesar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that's about all I had to yeah, say. I, but, I think I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no! <laughs> but yes, I figured you'd like it. You guys? I have to say two points on this. First of all, I love Josh Brolin in this movie. Um, yeah. He was the character that I just I couldn't get enough of him and, and everything he was going through trying to hold the entire thing together. Eddie Maddox, a really interesting guy to actually look into him. Like he, he was someone that actually was a Hollywood fixer. It was so, so he's a perfect choice for the role then. Yeah, perfect choice for the role. The other the other reason that if people are listening that haven't come across this movie, there's another good reason to just to check this out, and that is because in this movie I I met for the first time um, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, who is important now because he's going to be going over to play Han Solo in uh, the series of mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars movies that are coming out. So he's going we're going to see a lot more of this guy. That's a serious thing to be picked up for that. So there's a reason to check him out. Although in the movie he plays kind of almost a jokey kind of throwaway character in a way, um, who then ends up having quite serious part to play ironically but you know let's see how that works out huh so why did we feel that this was a joint win what 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 did the nice guys offer that that was was not bettered by hail caesar it's a very good question yeah. <laughs> byron why don't you take it <laughs> oh yeah i see what you did just there. <laughs> well just the smarter man should take it so yeah okay so the thing i really wanted nice guys but i think we did we were sort of slightly locked in what would be described as a bitter feud for a while on this one and so we we that's when we realized that we needed to make it a joint winner for this year everybody um the nice guys i think you know we could sign off on that one in, in a lot of ways because again it just 
it was just a great movie it was just an on-set on-location movie just if you need a building have a building right if you need a sunset have a sunset they just got on with it and i do, i have to say if i had to choose a, one of these two films to watch right now it would be the nice guys but and I, it wouldn't be hail caesar although the hail caesar film is a very pleasing film to watch and you know that you can watch hail caesar with grandma and, and you'll be just fine but the nice guys <laughs> not so much on the yeah night. Not the know, unless you got a really cool grandma well, huh? I, I don't <laughs> too many communists in that film, <laughs> yeah it's true a lot of reds in there but yeah the nice guys is not for um the easily offended so <laughs> exactly i did actually i was actually very in all honesty I was actually very positive about another movie called Anthropoid, which we which uh, we couldn't get in there because I know we didn't have enough uh, ticks in the box the way we do the the way we do the Oscars, you know, uh, the way we put this together. But if anyone's listening that is looking for just an, an amazing uh, movie based on real life events, this movie called Anthropoid was there, and it was uh, again another on set one set in the Second World War. Really, really good to watch, and I really recommend it. It's an alternative film. It's a Second World War movie. You don't get that many of them anymore. So it's great when one does come up. There's sort of a real uh, hard-hitting nature that uh, is a story that we haven't been told loads of times already. That's quite hard to do. We've had plenty of Dan Busters-related content and Battle of Britain, but this is one of these alternative stories that kind of gets lost and slips through the cracks. So I'll put that one out there. So that's everything we have for that one. It's time to move on now to a um, it's over to, to me a new again. category. It's over to me yeah. for a new category of 2016. We decided, we decided to put a Best Comedy Award in. Um, very very last minute but we decided you know these films sort of don't really get a, a big look in at the uh, at the ones that shan't be named um, <laughs> so we decided to give a bit of a shout of, of the more sort of comedy films of the year so without further ado the nominations for best comedy of 2016 are Keeping Up With The Joneses The Secret Life Of Pets Zootopia Deadpool The Nice Guys Keanu and David Brent, Life on the Road. And the winner for the new category of 2016 is Deadpool. Yeah. Fairly unanimous decision with this one. I mean, uh, I think we all, except for one, um, <laughs> all uh, absolutely worshipped this film and just thought it was brilliant for this category. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, yeah, really, really, really good to see. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it- we again we covered this in our podcast and it it was it was a film that was sorely needed at the time <laughs> just good like everything coming out of fox was just meh and then ryan reynolds was so wanted to make this deadpool film and the fact that he was able to make it mm. and he was able to do it smartly and they were able to it, true to the character yeah, yeah and they did meta humor well which is very difficult so mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is, yeah, without being very indulgent again, you know. To, but, yeah, they did do it well, and the fourth wall breaks. And yeah, so, so many great lines, like even the fourth wall break inside the fourth wall break, there's like 16 walls. Yeah. <laughs> so many little lines. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, the way he plays with the uh, office blind, you know, roommate <laughs> with the Ikea. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many bits that work uh, throughout um I know most of us agree. <laughs> I, I, I personally like the uh, the shout outs to the the X Men franchises. You know the one where, yes. he, where he references the Patrick Stewart James McAvoy, and they talk about the house. But you know we can't afford to have because 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 <laughs> I, I kind of believe those conversations were probably had when when they made that film and, and they've actually used it to their advantage and turned it into a joke in the film which I don't think I've ever seen before but yeah, yeah the, when he turns up and he says like there's only over two of you you think we could afford an extra that's the X-Men. great freedom of that character is you can acknowledge it otherwise yeah. you, there's really no way to get past that uh, other than acknowledging yes we can't afford it yeah, yeah it, definitely it, the one thing I was kind of surprised when I was watching it that they didn't directly acknowledge and they just kind of ran with it is the reason that he forgets his weapons in the taxi the second time is because the studio dropped seven million dollars from their budget and they couldn't afford the motorcycle chase that they wanted no so it, so it was it, just and it going, works amazingly well so yeah <laughs> oh I didn't realise that that's, that's a really interesting interesting bit of trivia yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone learns something new today. <laughs> no, why don't we move to our next category, Byron? Yeah, why don't and, we? Yeah. And you can host this one. Yeah. <laughs> the next uh, category 
that we are going to move on to is what we title the best film experience. As a clarifier, this is a fun in-movie theatre experience. It's the popcorn, it's the pick and mix where you forget about how much the damn thing costs. It's all the bells and whistles, fun night out, best film experience, even if the plot disappears faster than a fart through hemp pyjamas. <laughs> okay? And the nominations for the best film experience are... Rogue One, Captain America Civil War, Deadpool, Hail Caesar, and La La Land. And the winner <laughs> is Deadpool. Yay! Yay! I just gave one, one song. Could you clap. hear you the thrill it. in that voice, folks? So, Baron, yes. tell us why this one, and tell us why you hate this film so much. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Okay, so here's the, here. Oh, okay, here's the problem ah, I had. Calm yourself. Uh, here's, yeah. here's the problem, the basic I had with Deadpool. So, when I'm watching a movie, I want to see a movie. I want to. I want to. I want the escapism element of it where I buy into the movie. So all the things that you guys love, you guys love with the the breaking of the fourth wall, um, that that turned you on to the movie. It, t it turns me off as much as it turns you on. It turns me off because I don't want that. I don't want it shattered. I want to be into the illusion, uh, and that's really important for me when I watch a movie. So, so every time that happened, it just kind of pissed me off a little bit more. Um, and then I didn't really resonate with the Deadpool character, and, and that's a bigger problem. So, yeah, my question is for you. <laughs> For you would be, is there a Deadpool film that you could have enjoyed? Because it seems like an inherently an inherent flaw in the character yeah, and the nature of that universe itself. Yeah, Deadpool oh. in the comics is not only completely insane, but the only one who's aware he's in the comic. So, if you were reading the comic, you'd be reading the visual the written equivalent of the film. So, like, would you enjoy the character? Period, or is it just like he's it was not doomed to start uh, for you? Yeah, I think really? that one. I think I think I think um, I think Doom to start. So, but I recognise why this film was was good. I can see all the points you guys like, and I understand that, and I see the technicality of the movie and the way it was made and what they were doing, and I understand why it was such a popular film. It's not for me, but I get why it was so successful, yeah. and I get why they would make more of these and 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 where this is going. Where do you think though, uh, with Deadpool standing alone, but when he's combined? Um, with the other characters, how is that going to work? How is that balance going to work, do you think? Well, it depends, because in the comics, most other people are put off by Deadpool. Like they, he is too insane and also too unpredictable for a lot of people, especially Cable, who is very, 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 very serious. And kind of like, imagine a more serious and US Army version of Colossus. That's what right. cables like. So it's very much the so, odd couple type so, thing. So yeah, and for me, I think they will be successful as long as they manage the character number. So if you've looked at like you know recently, uh, you know like the Fox properties, it's been very hit or miss with the X Men films, at least you know in my opinion. Um, and just recently seeing Logan, seeing that personal uh -huh. journey, you know, um, or you know even. The Wolverine was a good film where it just dealt with his character. Deadpool, it was just the couple of the X-Men there. So if you can manage those character numbers, it's when it really becomes an ensemble that things really fall apart for me, where you have to get everyone in. Yeah, uh, Everyone has to have their scene and their piece. Uh -huh. um, that things... My... Give a shit, I guess you could say, <laughs> goes down. <laughs> okay, let me, let me put it to you this yeah. way. Do you not think there could be a potential problem when you take... Uh, like let's say uh, Deadpool and you put him side by side with um, someone like Captain America and then Deadpool says the words fuck or bugger you know how <laughs> because it, Captain is a very clean cut character <laughs> so yeah. we're going to we'll have a rating issue don't you think? Not necessarily because there is because Deadpool is aware of who he is and what he's in because he, he knows he's in a film if it was a PG-13 film, he would rein himself in. <laughs> and you can be dirty without using dirty words. Yeah. Are you, uh, reading, from, are you know, bad what? words. So. Paul, were yeah. you reading from a contract just then when you said that? <laughs> he will <laughs> rein himself in. No, no but there, there was a thing that I, I read online ages ago, which I know I brought it up in, in uh, our podcast, and it, it is 
someone saying the best thing in the world would be for Deadpool to be in an X-Men film that it's PG-13 and so he knows he can't swear but he knows you're allowed one fuck mm-hmm. and Wolverine beats him to it so he spends the entire film not swearing leading up to this one swear and then Wolverine uses it and he loses it in the background <laughs> he's just like oh come on I wanted to use that but yeah like, that's a, it that's would a scene I'd yeah, it, it would be one of those things where he would definitely find creative ways around the things he's not much, allowed to do. It's a much better solution than, uh, let's say, sewing his mouth shut. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's the point I wanted to make about why I felt this film should win this category because it's like what you said in the previous category as well. It's it's the story in which this film got made. You know, from 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 that first time we saw the character in the Origins film, which was what uh, ten. 10 or so years before um, you know the, the, the story in which this film then came to, came to light was, was amazing you know they shelved it so many times it really wasn't what studios wanted to be making a film about you know a, a foul mouthed mercenary with with uh, cancer and you know hideously disfigured you know it wasn't studios didn't want to touch this film you know and, and as you say all, all these things kind of give it the charm as to why it did so well um, so it sort of had an ironic ironic twist I felt um, I, I, yeah, I just I just loved it and I, I, I agree with I agree with you guys it, it was good good film good laugh absolutely yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, where does this leave us, gentlemen? Oh, hell yes, here we go. <laughs> Ryan. Yes. All right, so the next category oh, here is, is the worst film of 2016. <laughs> and surprisingly, for the number of awful films this year, we only have four nominees, yeah. but they are doozies. So, <laughs> um, or doncies. I'm sorry, cut that out. So, your nominees are uh, Suicide Squad, Ghostbusters 2016, of course, Independence Day Resurgence, and Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. And, the winner is, of course, <laughs> Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yep. Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What can what so, can we say about this? This was this was painful. Two and a half it, hour uh, painful and then, film. Yes. I could not wait to leave. I it was <laughs> I was so over this film within the I would say first twenty minutes or half hour. And then it just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruce Wayne kept going to more parties and more parties. <laughs> when is it appropriate to ask for your money back at the box office? <laughs> when you go see this movie, it's <laughs> definitely the the bar. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. South Park teaches us that you just can't get your money back. I don't know if you've seen the episode where I think it's uh, Stan and Kenny try and get their money back after seeing Passion of the Christ. Well, in my days of uh, projection, we our rule was uh, first hour. If you left within the first hour, you got your money back. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you, you gave it a shot. You, you were done. Yeah. Yes, but I definitely stayed for the entirety. And boy, you can't get those hours back. What did you guys? What did you guys feel about the? Um, the new portrayal of Batman though because I think for me the reason it this won this category was because it was so disappointing because it could have been it could have been so much better and I actually didn't mind so much Ben Affleck as Batman and I just want to know what, what did you guys think about that I I, I thought he was alright as Batman but I, I think the issue with that is he was alright with Batman but he was the best thing in the film with the possible mm-hmm. exception of Gal Gadot and mm. the and the issue my wife actually had with Wonder Woman in this film is that every single time she was on screen as Wonder Woman she was jumping in the air and yeah. jumping mm. in the air it was like a trailer wasn't it it was like <laughs> every clip she had was like a clip in a trailer like her jumping forward the whole film yeah. just felt very desperate to me yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. I, I was on board for Affleck when I was first cast. I thought, you know, he could do something with this because yeah. when you look at the other picks that, you know, for Batman, obviously there's been some that are pretty awful, but, you know, Michael Keaton wouldn't have been an ideal pick prior, yeah. you know, to that character, you know, to yeah. the work he had done before that. And, but for many, that's people's favorite Batman. Um, but. This is a point that has been well-tread and well-tread by myself personally, is that just the way DC goes about just throwing all these characters into a 
combined film instead of taking their time like Marvel did to set things up all the way back in 2008 mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. to build this universe up so that you care so that you actually care about these people and their interactions yep. and they've had their chance to shine independently and then can come together mm-hmm. uh, and just throwing these Flash Gordon trailers in there halfway <laughs> and Wonder Woman trailers it, it was just a mess yep. and there was just not a whole lot for Batman actually to do. You saw a lot of Bruce. Yeah. But there were just a couple of set pieces with Batman that in, in two and a half hours. <laughs> there was just yeah, a couple. And um, my my biggest issue with this entire film comes when it's the final mm-hmm. versus like the actual fight. Yep. And basically what happens is Superman lands and some guns go off, which he destroys. And then I think it, it's some more guns. Remember, the title is Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a, and then we and get to this. So yeah. Superman is basically just saying, trying to say, they've you know they've got my mum hostage. This is what's going on. Guns, guns, guns. Just destroy the guns. They've got my mum hostage. This is what's going on. Guns, guns, guns. Okay, I'm just going to fight you now. Yes, that trope no. of I tried twice. Uh, yeah, well, you're not going to this matter. Not what, going to yeah. listen to mm-hmm. me talking. So, no, that you're Superman. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be this side of good. It's like you're getting annoyed at a fly buzzing around you. What the <laughs> hell's going on? This and then just from Jesse Eisenberg's over the top. Oh, that was yeah, that was with the, the Jolly Rancher and the pantomime yeah, game. I, I think there was a kernel of a good performance in there, and then... It I was think, the burnt kernel that yeah, doesn't I, pop. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that the studio just kept telling him, like, no, no, more, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I'm being paid for it, I better do it's, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's another doctor. Right, you know, we're dealing with Ben Affleck, right, Henry Cavill, Jeremy Irons, Lawrence Fishburne. There's absolutely no reason why these people shouldn't be able to make a decent movie. And... Again, you, you just go in there with all these things that you think are just going to be so good, and then it was just such a big drop. And I just knew they were going to screw it up, to be honest with you. I've just lost <laughs> mm-hmm. all faith. I've lost all faith in them now, and I'm now <laughs> expecting all future projects to um, to just be more of the same. To be honest, that's I'm, where I'm at with it. I'm still thinking Wonder Woman has hope. Uh, cautiously optimistic. For yeah, um, I, I foolishly went into this one thinking it had an decent not a decent that's that's the wrong word <laughs> um, a, chance. a chance at being good yeah. so that's why I went to say it because, because I was interested to see what Affleck would do and yeah it, no <laughs> so then after, I'm done with the combined characters uh-huh, yeah. in this world I think for me after they then did the same thing with Suicide Squad I just feel like I can't be bothered to spend any more money on Wonder Woman or, or anything they've got in the pipeline because I'm just that I, I don't think I can be bothered mm-hmm. to sit through another one Suicide Squad was the same for me it just it just felt like a massive disappointment and a massive mess from beginning to end and I just think what, what it, it, you, you hit the nail on the head they're just rushing up there because they they need to compete they feel like they need to compete with Desperate. Marvel and obviously they've got their big big showdown coming what next year the uh, the Infinity Stone Infinity War and they, they yeah, need yeah. to have Justice League out but you think that's crazy man because it was only what a couple of years ago that we had the first one which was Man of Steel and you think as you said you know it's like we had, in 2008, they started planting seeds for what's coming next year, you know, 10 years before, and and DC are there in the background going, come on, come on, we can, ca- we can catch up, we can ca- get Suicide Squad out, get Wonder Woman out, get Justice League out, and just, feel like, just slow down. Like, people will still go and watch them if, if you take five years to make it, you know? I just feel like just a complete mess, all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at this point, the only way DC could do well is if they just got Kevin Smith to write and direct it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Zack Snyder needs to be done. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree he, I'm I'm done with him <laughs> and he needs to stop torturing us. Yeah. Um, but that's where you get these successful comic book films is by getting someone in there that will bring their own voice and their own take to it. You don't need a Justin Lin, you know, for the Star Trek films, or, you know, there's a thousand Michael Bays. There's, you know, only one art house director, you know, that would be a great pick for these films because they're going to bring their own voice and they're going to make it unique while still hopefully upholding the material, you know, being true to the canon. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I think my example for that would be James Gunn for what he's done with Guardians because if you follow him on Facebook, he's he's so passionate about 
that those stories and bringing those films to life and 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 he's so he's so in you know into it on facebook so active on facebook about those films it's really nice to see it's really refreshing because he obviously just loves them you know so yeah good good point i tell you what guillermo del toro if you want to yeah. fix this situation um <laughs> You know, try and have a look at you know someone who's a bit off the wall to cut to try to come in and pick the whole the whole mess, pick it apart, and sort of put it back together. I mean, it's like a jigsaw puzzle that's been dropped on the floor and they've done a half-half job of getting it together. And ten minutes before the mayor walks in for tea or something, and then they're like, oh. so it just needs to be done, done really properly. And I think there's huge, huge potential in these characters. They've just got to stop screwing it up. Yeah. You know what? I would love to see a Quentin Tarantino. Wow. He, he won't oh come within 10,000 miles of this. Yeah, he won't. Or if he did, he'd want complete control yeah, which uh, in, the way he, in the way he wrote it. And they'd never sign off on that. They'd be scared well, to death of signing off on that. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. Batman v Superman. Superman would have just burst straight through Batman's chest. <laughs> the fight scene. <laughs> fucking alien. Oh, my God. Yeah. That would be like a You're dying. That's it. It would have been Batman just standing on the ground waiting for mm-hmm. him and then just laser beam straight down the middle and be like, yeah. oh, okay, on to the next. <laughs> yeah, so, fucker, please. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been that, yeah. I probably would have, I probably would have liked that movie more. Yeah. I know. That's why I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right paul write it or well you know yeah. get on get a hold of quentin yeah i'll just yeah. simply email quentin yes. and suggest that he direct mm-hmm. the next and we'll Maybe. probably get plenty of foot shots yes. so there's that too <laughs> okay okay well we are now arriving at the final category for this year's uh for this year's awards Yes, yeah. Paul, and and this one is best film out of the murky waters of worst, and into the films that we actually wanted to see and enjoy. So, the nominees for best film for 2016 are Rogue One, Florence Foster Jenkins, Hail Caesar, Captain America: Civil War, Arrival, and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And the winner is Arrival. Yeah. Yeah. This was a good, good unanimous decision as well. This one, I think. Um, I think we most most of us felt this this one should win this category. Uh, yes, and was you both have seen it, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What uh, what did you guys enjoy about it? I I remember coming out of the cinema just absolutely spellbound spellbound by this film. Like I was completely taken. I, and I remember walking out just I needed like a few hours to process what I'd seen. It was it was one of those I haven't seen I haven't had that in a while with a film like where you really need to think about like what does this mean? You know what 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 does this mean and where is this going and what is this? How how did they do that? You know and I I was I had all these questions and I just I absolutely loved it. And the thing that that made it so special for me is it felt it felt really real. I know that sounds silly because it's a science fiction film, but I saw a similar thing with a film called Contagion a few years ago mm-hmm. about um, an outbreak uh, that wiped out the planet. Um, you know, the virus type film and everyone said about that film is you could actually believe that's the way it would go you know if, if it was to happen today now that's probably how it would go and there was a lot of these scenes of, that you could imagine happening and it was exactly the same for me with Arrival like if this was to happen tomorrow if a ship came down th- this this is how I'd expect it to happen and I love the scenes more um about the ones of the country sort of talking to each other but then keeping ones keeping information back and acting in their own interest and I just found it truly truly fascinating and obviously the concept of the alien encounter as well was excellent but I just I felt that it had a sense of realism to it and a really really interesting twist and finale at the end as well um, how did you guys feel? Well, um, I would echo almost everything you said there um, yeah the realism was really what connected me to the film is that you could it's very easy to believe this is how things would go down if yeah. this was to happen. Um, 
Yeah. So Personally, I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, in the current climate, it would be more like Monsters vs. Aliens, with the, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the president basically just going, oh, right. shoot it. We would just blame the Russians right now, but <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, I did want to touch on, uh, just because I could echo all the beautiful things you said, which, you know, obviously I, I agree with. Um, the one thing which I talked about a friend with, the only thing that took me out of this was what the hell was Forrest Whitaker doing with that accent? <laughs> um, it was the most inconsistent. It was sometimes like Brooklyn, sometimes like Boston, sometimes like South America or like uh, South African accent. Uh, it was all over the map. I think he just like, okay, you want me in this? I'm just going to do my own thing. Maybe and... he was the last king of Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. You got a little bit of uh, yeah, last king of Scotland in there, but. It just kind of became a part that I enjoyed just when he would pop on screen and because I, I didn't know what voice was going to come out of him. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, I absolutely loved this film. It was beautiful. Um, it, it had notes of Interstellar as far as, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. connecting the family connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just stuck with me. Like you said, like I... I definitely one that... I, rented, I didn't go to the theater. I rented it on uh, iTunes. And, uh, yeah, you definitely had to stop and just not do anything for half an hour and kind of think about what you saw. So, absolutely love this. And I, think, I will see it at some point soon. <laughs> I think for me with this movie, what I loved about it was um, that it had an aspect of being a puzzle in that you didn't get all the answers straight away and you had to kind of figure things out. And so your mind was not only watching a movie but trying to calculate the trajectory the movie would take and, and you were trying to solve the puzzle of language, of what this object is, as much as the movie was kind of revealing it step by step, and they didn't rush it. It wasn't a quick, okay, well, we've got that done now, so five minutes of that, now we've done the translation, no worries, we'll talk to aliens, no problem. So (laughs) if if people have watched uh, the TV series Westworld recently, again, we had this Mm -hmm. huge puzzle throughout the whole series of it, and this kind of cottoned onto that and uh, presented this enigma of trying to solve an actual real problem of communication. Um, the only bit where, for me, the movie became a little bit sticky was just when we started to get the, the, the kind of concept of time and future and past, and that's where I got a little bit uh, into... It's, it's always a dangerous territory, I think, when your whole movie is one thing with a little bit of time play going on. If your entire movie is time... If you're doing Back to the Future and the whole movie is time then you're going to be okay because everyone can sign off on it but when you're doing one movie and then with a little bit of this in you can have that problem they had in lost uh where you start dipping into it how did you guys feel about that uh that is a good point yes and um i'm on uh record multiple times (laughs) having issues with uh the handling of time in films Um, (laughs) although sometimes you know they are some of my most favorite films it's it's a Uh very uh odd uh, catch-22 there your love of primer for instance uh yes but yes once you're right once you go down that territory you best damn be consistent with your rules Mm -hmm. um you know that you set up and Obviously, I don't think, you know, a lot, uh, with multiple viewings of this film, I don't know that everything would hold up if you start thinking about them too deeply. Um, but that didn't, it didn't bother me to the extent where it let me, where I didn't enjoy the film as much as I would have other. I still love this film. I think because it had great resolution, so you could get on with it, you know. <laughs> In the same yes. way that, if you, did you ever see The Abyss, but the full length version yeah, of it, the yeah. proper version, not not the cut down one. Yeah, did you guys see that? I, I don't that. know if I have. I, I mean, I've seen it. I don't know what version I saw. I just, yes, I, I just bought a discounted DVD uh-huh. years ago. <laughs> and so whatever that was, I have no idea. But, well, no. I'll just put this out there. So for the listeners, if, you, if you've seen Arrival and you love it and you think, okay, this is the kind of thing I'm into, then you want to go ahead and, and grab a copy of the movie called The Abyss. And that's because, an excellent. Yeah, go ahead. B- because, that, because you're going to really like that movie if you haven't seen it. But you need to make sure you get the big proper full version of it because the original version that came out had a kind of really crucial scenes at the end just cut off for what reason they did that I have no idea because those scenes really tie the whole movie in and I don't want to spoil it but you'll relate to it with the arrival side of things in terms of the political aspect of what is the 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 angle on how we're going to resolve this situation are we going to go all out and blast them and hope for the best or are they a force for good we don't know again it's part of the puzzle um it was part of the charm of this movie you know and just and just the design of it i think you know guys i don't know how you feel about this with with arrival that just it was such a it was 
a, such a clean-looking film in terms of the objects, the way they handled the spaceship side of things could have been bells and whistles and bright lights and close exactly. encounters yeah. and you, you know you, you know the temptation that there must be out there when you've seen every interior of every freaking spaceship with yeah. all the stuff and they just didn't do that they had such a clean it was like apple designed it yeah you know? but again that that for me uh, i talked about the believability but that but that's that added it to it for me because i think you know if we ever did encounter something like this it's not going to be et running around it's more likely to be something like like that we couldn't dream up some something that we have no no concept of you know so completely different and i feel like this film kind of gave us that you know because it's it's not something that we'd ever expected that sort of as you say that clean clinical look and mm -hmm. these weird looking creatures it, yeah just excellent design the whole the whole film just had a really good feel about it um, in terms of suggesting old films along those lines I, might i suggest the film sphere Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's, okay. yeah, that's another yeah. one. Yeah, those are both great comparisons. I hadn't even thought of them. Yeah, the abyss, but the uh, sphere as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a film that uh, not a lot of people I know have seen, but uh, I remember mm. really enjoying. Oh, I love that film. I need to rewatch it as well because it's uh, it's been a few years, and it's it, like the abyss. It's uh, it holds up. One of my favorites. Great, great mm. one. Yeah, the, but yeah, to that point where like you don't see the bells and whistles. That's one of these things where Wes was more. Mm -hmm. um, because once you do show something like that, you're immediately going to date yourself as well mm -hmm. um, into whatever you think that would be. And like you said, it's, if, if this was real, it's going to be something like we can't even dream up. Yeah, um, and that must be the hardest part from a, a creativity point of view is to try to project something without putting too much of your our expectations on it to do literally the opposite yeah. convincingly. Man, that's that's not easy to do. Yeah. But I, I think it's because everyone that's writing all this stuff now grew up watching Star Trek, where everything was a humanoid English-speaking alien. Uh -huh. so. yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, right? That's true. That's it. Well, I think, yeah. Ladies think and gentlemen, that, that, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. concludes... The full title, Bear, would you like to read oh, the full God, title out for... The unofficial, <laughs> official non-Academy Awards Awards podcast for the films of 2016. I remembered it. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll add a couple more initials next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah make, make it the, uh, the semi-unofficial official. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Um, any things to add, fellas? No, I, I think I think I'm I think I'm done. I think I've said I need everything I needed to say. So uh, it's, as always, it's, been, time. it's always been a pleasure. <laughs> Byron, no, that's all good for me. It's been an absolute delight uh, presenting again with you guys this year. Absolutely, uh, yes, I echo that sentiment. Yeah, always fun, and uh, hopefully we will see more from you guys in the coming year. Before oh, no doubt, no doubt about it. You're both brilliant fellows, and yes, please keep up doing everything you're doing.